0: Welcome to Build with Hari Rao, a podcast by Get Ready Ministry. Let's receive today's word. Greetings to you in the most precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It brings me great joy to see you one more time on our Saturday night broadcast, Build with Hari Rao. I believe you have been walking with the Lord and that you have prospered in your walk with God, and that you are ready to hear and receive a word from the Lord. Ah, Thank you for joining in. I really appreciate you making time for the word of the Lord. Today we go into a very serious, very pertinent subject. So I want to request you to stay with me throughout the broadcast i don't want any of you to leave halfway through leave two thirds of the way i would like your full attention today it's um, from my recollection and my memory i have never preached on a public platform like this on this topic about the coming of the Lord, the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I believe the time is ripe and the time is now upon us for us to have this conversation. Today I will set the boundaries of our conversation. We won't be able to get into the nitty and the details of it, but you will have enough information that will help you prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus. If the Lord were to return in our generation, which increasingly seems like it is a possibility, but if the Lord were to return in our time or in the time of our children, I want to give you the information that is required and necessary for you to prepare yourself and your families. Dear Lord Jesus, help us be prepared for your coming. We do not want to miss the timing. We do not want to miss the season. We do not want to be found lacking when the trumpet blows father lord jesus we ask you we are your people we are your bride we are your church i pray that you will prepare us to meet you father help us lord jesus i pray help us dear holy spirit help us help us help us equip me to teach your people Equip me to prepare this generation. Equip me to prepare the body of Christ for the bodily, physical return of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all glory, all honor, all praise, all thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. Um. I will request your patience and I will request your full and complete attention. I don't want you to miss anything. I would like you to turn your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 1. Book of Acts chapter 1. And we will read from chapter 1 verse 6 onwards. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons that the father has fixed. Okay. I want you to underline the word the times and seasons that the father Has fixed, 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 which means the Father in heaven has a predetermined timetable. He has a time and a fix, a a season fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. The cloud here is... um, not necessarily the clouds that you see on the sky that is uh, you know that brings rain and so on and so forth the cloud here is symbolic of a group of witnesses a cloud of witnesses if you read hebrews the scripture says that there was there is a cloud of witnesses that have gone ahead of us so the cloud here is not necessarily the white clouds you see in the sky i know most of us we think of those clouds all the paintings that we have about the lord coming back is him riding a horse on a cloud no this cloud is the company of people that received him in heaven so when he comes back he will come back with a cloud of witnesses he will come back with sons and daughters saints of old, angelic beings. That is the cloud that is being spoken of here. Let's continue. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Will come in the same way. Will come back the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So the return of the Lord Jesus Christ will be a visible phenomenon. Visible. Just like how the disciples could see him being taken up, the church will be able to see him coming back. There will be a cloud of witnesses and the Lord will descend. But there are so many interpretations, so many theories, so many speculations. Trying to study end times. Trying, trying to study what theologians will call eschatology, which is the study of last things or the study of end times, is is like a rabbit hole. There are so many versions, so many interpretations, so many possible directions that one can spend his entire life. And still be lost. That's why so many well respected leaders, pastors, for decades and centuries together have tried to pinpoint the day and time the Lord will come. They will say, "Ah, he's gonna come on the 20th of December 2020. He he's gonna come in 2000. Do you guys remember when everybody thought the world is going to come to an end in 2000 because the Lord is coming back? No. Uh, the others will study the moon and study the stars and study Jewish calendars and they try to explain that the Lord Jesus will come back uh, on so and so date and they will send." Sell hundreds and thousands of books. And then on that day, the Lord Jesus won't come back. In the 90s, in the 80s, oh God. Every preacher thought he had configured and understood the day and time the Lord will come. It was so sad. It was so sad. because scripture is very clear that he will come like a thief in the night. He will come like a thief in the night, in the twinkling of an eye. But those of us who are carrying his spirit, those of us who are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, we we may not be able to tell the exact hour or the exact minute or the exact second, but our spirit will bear witness to his coming. So his coming will not be a shock to us. because. His spirit and our spirit is the same, right? So when he comes, our spirit will bear witness. We may not be able to pinpoint the exact day, the time, the hour, the minute. But we will know. We will know. We will know. If you have an accurate walk with God, if you truly walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are walking in righteousness and you are a student of God's word and you have built your life on the eternal patterns of God's word, you will know. This is very important. Very, very, very important. I would like to... I'm just sharing a few introductory thoughts with you. Before we dive a little deeper, go with me to the letter of Thessalonians, 1st Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll read for you from verse 1 onwards. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Isn't that amazing? Apostle Paul is writing to an entire church and he's telling that... You don't need anything new to be written to you. I, I don't need to supply to you the most updated information or the most current information. I don't have to bring a f- new piece of information from the Lord to give to you right now. I, I, I please, we, we must pay attention to small things. You have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware. You yourselves are fully aware. He's talking about the church the individual believers that's why i said when you are walking with the lord when you are truly baptized in the holy spirit and you are built alive by the word of the lord you will be aware let's read this for you yourself are fully aware that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you are not in darkness mark that verse for me verse 4 but you are not in darkness brothers for the day for that day to surprise you like a thief for you are all children of light children of the day we are not of the night nor of the darkness so then let us not sleep as as others but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation for god please i want you to verse 9 for god has not destined us for wrath Can you read that one more time? For God has not destined us for wrath. My God, what a verse. So God has not destined you for destruction. It is not his intention. It is not his plan. It is not his desire. To see you destroyed with the ungodly and the heathen. But what is his plan? But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. So, I think based on this scripture, it is is safe for you and I to conclude that the church of Jesus Christ should not be surprised. (laughs) <laughs> you with me so far i i think i a lot of what i'm sharing is in some ways very unpopular cuz we like a message that keeps us hopeful of a day of doom but i want you to know we will we will tackle a lot of issues but i want you to know when it comes to the true church When it comes to the authentic church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it comes to the true born-again believer, it is not God's will. God has not destined that church, God has not destined that true believer for wrath, but he has destined them for salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means that Apostle Paul is saying that if you are a born-again child of God, If you walk with the Holy Spirit and you have a life that is consistent with God's word, you are not going to be surprised at his coming, but your spirit will be ready to receive him. Ah, My God, are you with me so far? This is very critical. If your spirit man is not giving you the signal, then something is wrong. If you are not aware of his coming, if there is no urgency in your spirit, and if you continue to live the way you want, then there is a problem. But if you are walking with God, you should not be surprised. Okay? I'm going slow because I want all of you to journey with me. I want you to journey with me. So if if we are true children of God... And if we are indeed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are authentic, holy, pure, righteous, walking with the Lord, trying to build our lives, trying to build our ministries, trying to build our churches based on the eternal patterns of God's word. And we have a walk with the Lord. The coming of God is not sorrow for us. The return of the Lord is not tribulation, is not pain, but it is joy. It is victory. It is power. It is glory. It is the union of the church and the head. It is the union of the lover of our souls with us. How can his return be trouble? How can his return be destruction? How can his return be something that we are afraid of? No. It is joy to those Who are earnestly preparing. Who are earnestly looking forward to. Who are earnestly engaged in the work that the Lord has given to them. But it is a surprise. It is a shock. It is a terrible news to those who do not know the Lord. To those who are not walking with the Lord. To those whose deeds are not consistent with light. I would like you to turn your bibles to matthew chapter 24 we have to read a lot of verses you know this is not one of those sermons where you we read one line in the bible and we can just go on these are important matters matthew chapter 24 i'll read for you from verse 1 jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple but he answered to them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So Jesus now walks into his office as a prophet and he begins to prophesy and he's predicting an event. He's looking at this majestic, glorious event. Temple that Solomon had built and he says not one stone will be on top of the other and true to his words by 70 AD the temple was destroyed the Jewish nation was scattered and his prophecy about the destruction of the temple was already fulfilled however in verse 3 as he sat on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? Two, two things they are asking. What is the sign of your coming and what is the close? When is the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, Ah man, sometimes you have to marvel at the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are asking for a time, they are asking for a location, they are telling us, tell us how do we know when you are coming? Give us some, you know, give us some, some clues, give us some uh, uh, insight in for Jesus. Is this going to be in the 10 years? Is it going to be in the next 50 years? Is it going to be in the 100 years? Uh, are we going to see... Some some political changes? Are we going to see some dramatic uh, uh, economic? What is going to be the sign? And look what Jesus said. What's the first thing Jesus says? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. He is not even trying to address the question directly. Jesus' primary concern here is deception. See that nobody can lead you astray see that nobody can take you away why is jesus saying this which means that there is a possibility for a disciple of the lord jesus christ there is a possibility for the child of god there is a possibility for a true believer to be led astray there is capacity for deception in you and in me Somebody and something can lead you astray. Something and somebody has the potential to lead me astray. So Jesus' first warning, do not be deceived. Do not be led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. My God. And you will hear Listen to this and you will hear wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not alarmed. (laughs) You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but don't panic. Don't be alarmed. Don't don't get scared. Don't be afraid. My God. Mm. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place. But the end is not yet. You will hear about wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed. But this must take place. For nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of the birth pangs. One, don't be led astray, don't be deceived. Second, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars, but don't be afraid. It's not the end. Third, you're going to hear about nation will rise against nations. There will be kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine, earthquakes. All these are what? The beginning. The beginning Of the birth pains. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. And betray one another. Hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because, I want you to pay attention to verse 12. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony To all nations. And then the end will come. We just read a lot of signs. The final sign that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving here. Is that the gospel will be preached. As what? As a testimony. Why is this a testimony? God is a righteous God. It would be unfair on god's side to judge a nation to judge a kingdom to judge a tribe if they have never heard about the gospel so the gospel must be preached not just in word but the gospel must be demonstrably ministered to every nation every tribe every kingdom in the world and after that the Bible says the end will come. I don't want to continue in the next verses. We'll keep that for another time because that's a different, it's a different ball game altogether. Because when we start thinking, talking about the Antichrist and the tribulation, I don't want to touch that today. I want to give you a very superficial, a borderline thought process. I want to take this time to share with you a personal journey. Um, as most of you know, I was born and raised in a Hindu family. I, was, I had an encounter with the Lord at the ages of 16 and 17. And my life was radically transformed. And out of my own accord, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was born again, filled in the Holy Spirit, loved the Lord, loved the word. I was in church every time church was open. You know, back in those days, our churches, um, our church had about five to seven services. I was in every single service. Every time the church door was open, I was there. I, I was, I was saved. I was saved. I was really sick <laughs> nowadays. people can't listen to a sermon for thirty five minutes. I was in church for the whole Sunday. I was there in church on Saturday. I was in church on Friday. I was in church on Wednesday because one of the symptoms of being born again is you become a lover of truth and you become a lover of his presence so and then through many prophetic utterances and through many encounters the lord had showed to me that i would be serving him that i was called to ministry that i would be preaching the word and i'll be traveling and all of those things and and i love preaching the word i mean there's one thing i think i was put on the earth to love jesus and to preach this word i think that's all i i, I don't know anything else i don't know what to do or anything else i I can't do anything else, I think. This is what I was put on earth for. So I I grew up dreaming, praying, wanting to travel the world, go to different cities, go to different villages, wanting to preach the gospel and preach the word. I was 17 and a half, 18, when invitations started coming to me to preach. And I never accepted a single invitation until the age of 23. Until the age of 23, I was getting invitations every second month. But I wouldn't take it because preaching is not the goal. Preaching is the vehicle. Why you preach is more important. Remember what I'm telling you. Those of you who are listening to me, You're so quick because you want to preach and preach and preach. You want to sing songs and you want to preach and you want to teach the Bible. You want to plant a church. No, no, no. You must first investigate and find out why is it that you want to do these things. Having the gift of preaching is not enough. Having the gift of singing is not enough. Having the gift of breaking the word is not enough. You must be sent by the Lord. You must, listen to me carefully, you must being sent by the Lord, which means that before you even preach your first sermon, you must be pregnant with the purpose of God. Yeah. So, you know, back in those days, my favorite preacher was uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest communicators, orators of the gospel. I loved him, still love him. I think he's an amazing, amazing, incredible gift to the body of Christ. So I love preaching. So so I thought that was ministry, right? I thought if God calls you to ministry, this is what you have to do. You have to preach like Jake's, you know? So I had a funny joke I used to tell my friends. You preach like Jake's and you heal like him. That's it, that's that's ministry. You have a healing ministry like Benny Hinn and you preach like T.D. Jakes. And I wanted to put both together, you know? <laughs> Don't share this with anybody, okay? This is just private between you and me. And I remember it was 2000, the year 2009. I had dedicated an entire year and I was praying. I was asking God, God, what is my purpose? I know I am saved. I know I'm born again. I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I know I can speak in tongues. I know I, I, I can prophesy. But what is my purpose, God? What is it that you would like me to accomplish in my life? What is my assignment? Yeah, I I, I preach the gospel, God. I, I I preach to my neighbors. I preach to strangers. I went street evangelizing. I preach. I was already preaching the gospel. But God, what is my assignment? What is it that you would like me to do? I spent an entire year praying. It was 2008, I remember. I prayed the entire year of 2008, give me my purpose. Show me my assignment. On January 1st, 2009, I heard the audible voice of God. Where the Lord Jesus spoke to me and said, get this generation ready to meet me. I I thought I didn't hear him correctly. I was like, God, what what do you mean? I heard the Lord. If I remember correctly, I heard him three times. Get this generation ready to meet me. Get this generation ready to meet me. And that's how we have the name of our ministry as Get Ready Ministry. I, I don't know if you guys even know that. I heard it, but instantly, can I be honest with you? Instantly, I didn't like it. I I, I didn't like that assignment. I didn't like that call. Because, man, uh, this sounds like some doom and gloom ministry. It sounds like uh, I have to beat people and get them ready. You know, I wanted to travel the world and preach like TD Jakes. I wanted to shout about purpose. I wanted to say, you're coming out. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I wanted to do all of those things. That was ministry for me. And this call, ah, man, I didn't like it. I am being real with you. I haven't shared this with anybody. I didn't like it because I I didn't want to be one of those prophets that are prophesying you're going to. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I wanted to, man, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to tell people you're going to come out, you're coming out. God is about to lift you up. God is about to elevate you. And I heard the Lord, get this generation ready to meet me. Man, (laughs) you can wake me up in my sleep and I'll tell you what my assignment is. You can put a gun to my head and a knife to my throat and I will not abandon this assignment. That's how much I am convinced. But it took me a little time. It took me a few days to understand what God was saying. So one particular day, maybe three or four days after I heard the Lord, after three or four days, I was sleeping. Uh, it was uh, early night, maybe eleven in the night. I generally sleep late, but I felt like sleeping that day. And but I, my sleep was very restless, very restless. And then in my sleep, I was conscious, in my sleep, I was taken into a vision and I'm beginning to see a war. It was just tankers, helicopters, soldiers running everywhere. It was like a battlefield. And I saw people dying and it was very, very gory. And I was so disturbed, but I kept seeing that vision. Like even while I'm talking to you, those scenes are right in front of my mind, you know. And then while I was watching this scene, I hear the Lord one more time in my vision. Very clear. When I tell you I'm hearing audible voice, I'm not making this up. Like I heard the Lord in my spirit audibly. I heard the Lord say, said, son, 50% of my church is not ready for my coming. I said, 50%, more than 50% of my church is not ready for my coming. If I came today, 50% would not be ready. I thought this was not the Lord. I, I just like, this can't be true. I rebuked the voice I said, get thee behind me. Because it was so disturbing to hear this. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? this is the church the lord jesus christ died for this is the church that he shed the blood on the calvary on the cross of calvary for this is the church that he died to redeem this is the church that he is in love with and now i hear the lord saying but they are not ready and i hear the lord say 50% can you imagine that that is i mean sorry i was about to say ridiculous but i was so young and i said god this is ridiculous if we are 2 billion christians on the earth today if we are 2 billion christians on the earth today which means 1 billion is not ready in a city in a city if we have 1 million christians believers half of that million is not ready If a church has thousand members, 500 of those members are not ready. If your family has four members in it, two of them are not ready. When you think about that, it's scary. It's dangerous. I said, no, this can't be. So I said, God, if this is you, if this is you, if this is you, show to me in the Bible. If, If you really say this is you, show to me in the Bible. Show to me in the Bible. And Jesus being the gentle savior that he is, and the Holy Spirit being the the merciful one that, that he is, he began to tell me, how many virgins were there? I said, there were 10. How many were ready? Five. Five of 10 is 50%. How many were working in the field? I said, two. How many was ready? One. How many was left behind? One. What's the percentage? Fifty. How many were working in the house? Two. How many were ready? One. That's when it hit me like a brick. It is true. If the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back today, we are not ready. The majority of the church is not ready. My people, listen to me. If you are not careful, you run the risk of not being prepared. You run the risk of not being ready. Then it will not be the bridegroom that is coming for you. It will be the thief that is coming. For those who are ready, For those who are ready, it is the returning of the Lord. It is the bridegroom that is coming. For those who are not ready, he comes like a thief. 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 So I was convinced, I surrendered. I said, okay, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. I'd rather be preaching in church growth conferences um youth seminars you know all of that stuff but i will i will I will humbly submit to you but you see i I didn't start preaching about this right away because there was a problem. I'll tell you what the problem is, but how do you know when somebody is ready? what is the prerequisite how do we assess? if a person is ready? How do we know if a congregation is ready? How do we know if a family is ready for his coming? See, that's the thing. No, We keep saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. We're saying, get prepared, get prepared, get prepared. But show me the picture of being ready. Show me what it looks like to be prepared. Show me what is the mark. How do I know that I am ready? How do I not live my life in fear? How do I know that I am ready for His coming? That is the missing point. That is the missing space. So God took the next 12 years, this was 2009, little by little, to show me, He prepared me to bring these final messages to you. How do we prepare for the coming of the Lord? It It took me 12 years to understand This call of God on my life. It took me 12 years to understand the direction and the destiny of where God is taking. And this is not mine. Just so you know, this is not mine. No, no, no. It's, 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 it can't be so small that it is just about Hari and his ministry. No, no. This is about the entire body of christ this is about an entire generation this is not about a country this is not about a city this is not about one particular church this is about the entire generation that is alive today that is alive today do you know how scary it is when the lord tells you get this generation ready to meet me which means that is there a possibility that he will come in our generation Is there a possibility that before you and I die, that the Lord might actually come back? And are we ready for that? Is there a possibility while you are 55 and 65 and your children are 15 and 20, that the Lord may come, that the trumpet may sound? Because God didn't didn't tell me get any generation ready. God didn't tell me get the next generation ready. God didn't tell me to get the grandchildren ready. He said get This generation, the one that I am born in, the one that is my generation, the ones that are listening to me now, get this generation ready to meet me. Yeah. So I hope by the little that I have shared with you, you see the gravity and the weight of where we are today. My people, it is not by accident that you are listening to me today this invitation went out to thousands of people but you made a choice to listen to me it's because the lord is calling you the lord is marking you the lord has a plan and a purpose in and through your life before he comes he has an end time agenda with you He has an end time movement. He has an end time army rising up on him. And he is speaking to you so you can be prepared. Not just to save your own soul. Not just to make sure that you are ready. Not just to make sure that your souls are ready. But join me in preparing an entire generation for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Something is happening tonight. Something beautiful. Something precious is happening. So how do we prepare? We will go into details in the coming weeks. But let me give you a few pointers. First and foremost just a few pointers. First, you must develop a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You must have a friendship with the Lord. There, Listen to me, please, carefully. There is no replacement for you walking with God, knowing God yourself. You can't know the Lord on, your, on the merit of your father. You can't know the Lord on the merit of your spouse. You can't know the Lord on the merit of your church. You can't know the Lord on the merit of your pastor. Or your spiritual father. No, 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 no. You must have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day you must hear his voice. Can you make that a goal? Every day you must experience his presence. And every day you must hear his voice. So if that day the Lord comes, you have already met him that morning. You have already met him in that afternoon. Your spirit will already know. I I know today is the day. I know tomorrow is the day. So make it a point to develop a deep, authentic relationship with the Lord. There is no replacement to that. Please hear me. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Your pastor cannot save you. Your cell group leader cannot save you. Your spiritual father, as amazing as they might be, they cannot, they are not a replacement to you having a friendship with God, to you developing a walk with God. In fact, if you have a godly pastor, if you have a godly spiritual father and a spiritual mother, that should motivate you and push you to develop a deeper friendship with God. This, there is no compromise on this. If you are not born again, you must be born again. You must be saved. You must enter a loving relationship with the Father. Second, your life must be built on the eternal concepts, precepts of God's word. You can't build your life any way you want. You can't build your church any way you want. You can't build your business any way you want. You can't live out your job any way. No, 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 no. Your life must be built on the word. Did you get what I said? Your life, your ministry must be built on the word. You can't go to Sunday morning church, or be a part of the Saturday morning uh, Saturday evening service and then on Monday morning you go out and do business the way you want you don't pay your employers well, you're going and bribing all these officials so that you can get the contract. No, that is not God's way. Your faith and your life must be consistent. Okay, am I being too harsh to you today? I care for your souls. That's why I will tell you the truth. You can't live the way you want. And then miraculously expect everything will just add up. Which means you must become an intentional student of the word. And you discover the principles. You discover the truths. And you build your life on that. Your marriage must be built on the word. You can't be singing on Sunday morning and then beating up your wife on Sunday afternoon. No, my friend. It doesn't work. I don't care how gifted you are. And I don't care how nice your songs are. I don't care how beautiful your lyrics are. If you're beating up your spouse, you have a problem. There is a spirit that needs to be delivered out of you. You can't be preaching Sunday morning and sleeping around with... I, I can't even say these things. It's not fitting for me to say these things. No. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but at least I know what the standard is. There is a decay in the moral fabric of the church. Listen to me carefully. There is a decay in the moral fabric of the church. We are meant to be a standard to the world. But it is unfortunate today that some parts of the world is better than us. I know Hindu men. I know Muslims who don't bribe. <laughs> Are you guys with me? Please, I want you to listen to me. It's okay. If it's okay if you don't get the promotion at work. But don't gossip. Don't lie. Don't do all this nonsense to get ahead. To get what? Another 5,000 rupees? To get another bonus of 10,000? For what? what? What profits a man? To gain the whole world and lose his own soul. So my precious people, build your life on this word. Build your life on this word. And some of you might say, Oh, but I don't understand it. Oh, there are just too many mysteries. Listen, the most important parts of the Bible, a four-year-old will understand. Did you get that? The most important parts of the Bible, a four-year-old will understand. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. How difficult is that? How hard is that? Flee from sexual immorality. How difficult is that to understand? Do not steal. How difficult is that to understand? There is no mystery about this. The most important parts of the Bible are simple. There is no way to the Father but through me, the Lord Jesus Christ said. So, accept Jesus Christ. How difficult is that? This Bible is simple. I'm telling you, this Bible is simple. Yes, there are mysteries. Yes, there are deep truths. Yes, there there is information that is hidden that has to be searched out. I preached that to you last week. But the most important parts of this is simple. Husbands, love your wives as the Lord Jesus Christ loved the church. How difficult is that? How can you beat up your wife and justify... Saying, I am a Christian. You can't. Please stop calling yourself a Christian. You are not. Okay. Two things. Develop your personal walk with God. And second, build your life. Build your life on the eternal word of God. And finally, finally, when people start talking about the end times, when they start talking about the book of Revelation, when they start talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a section of the church that will obsess. It's an ungodly obsession with everything that is demonic, everything that is anti-Christ, everything. They will read every conspiracy theory. They will read every article one movie star wears a t-shirt they'll say he's the antichrist one cricket fellow wears a wears a star on his t-shirt he's the antichrist one we don't like a politician he's the antichrist these are silly people i am measuring my words when i talk to you these are silly people Their souls are unstable. I plead with you, do not become one of them. You read the Bible from cover to cover. Actually, let me show you this. Go to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. Now, if I ask you, what is the book of Revelation about? 90% of you is going to tell me it's about Babylon, it's about the one world government, it is about the Antichrist, it is about the kingdoms that are coming, it's the kingdoms that are not coming, it's about the horns and the what, all of that is true and all of that is biblical. But what is the book of Revelation about? Let me show it to you, okay? Revelation 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him to show to his servants. What is the book of Revelation about? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you read this Bible, and if you read the book of Revelation, and if you read the end time prophecies, if you read all of these stuff about the end times, and you come out of it thinking about the Antichrist, thinking about the one world government, thinking about the mark of the beast, then you have missed the plot. Then you have missed the main thing. The whole book is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means your eschatology must be Christ central. Which means your idea and the worldview of your end times must keep Jesus at the center. If Jesus is not at the center, you are going to be imbalanced. You're going to obsess over things that you cannot control. You're going to obsess over things that you do not know. You are going to become a conspiracy theorist. You're going to be like the wind. Come on. Which means when you think of the end times, the first thing that comes to your mind is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must develop a lens that is Christ-central. Not anti-Christ-central. Not the mark of the beast not the one world government, not any of these other things. Why are we obsessing with what the devil is going to do? Please, why? Why? No, the book of Revelation is a triumphant book. It's a book where the Lamb is triumphant. It's a book where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is triumphant. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, what is the focus? They overcame him. Not the resistance, not the tricks, not the strategies, not the tactics, not all the things, all the garbage that the enemy is going to do. But what? Our focus is the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end, we win. At the end, we overcome. At the end, the church is triumphant. So, it's like this, okay? It's like this. Imagine a man is about to die. Just engage with me for a few moments. Imagine a man is about to die. Okay. Instead of having his wife, his children and his loved ones around him and telling them how much he loves them, how much they mean to him. And instead of enjoying those last few minutes that he has with his family and friends, He instead talks about this one friend that stole his five rupees from him when he was in 12th standard. And then says, oh, you don't know. When I was in uh, PUC, this fellow stole my pencil. That's what many in the church are doing. Instead of obsessing in the beauty, the majesty, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are busy running around trying to figure out what the devil is doing. I'm not saying be ignorant. Study. Gain understanding. Don't be unaware of the devices of the enemy. But don't obsess over him. He's a defeated foe. At the cross, he was defeated. He was bruised. So your obsession must be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I remember when I got saved, one one, one auntie in the church gave me a printout, you know, it was a, it was a book uh, that, I, that was spiral brown. And they gave it to me and said, this you have to read, this is the most important book you'll read in, my, in your life. And I was saved for like six months. I began to read and I didn't understand anything. But I remember this, that there is a company called Motorola that is developing a chip. They're going to put that chip inside of you. Once the chip is inside of you, that's it. Your soul is lost. Your spirit is lost. You can't worship the Lord. I was so scared of that chip. Come on. And I began to think of Motorola. But Motorola makes nice phones. Uh, Should we not buy Motorola phones now? Because if they are an anti-Christian company, should we not buy their phones also? Because they are now funding this chip. Ah, man, I lost my sleep for weeks together thinking about the chip. All the weeks I could have prayed. All the weeks, I could have enjoyed Jesus. All those days, I could have enjoyed fellowship with the Lord. I could have enjoyed reading the Bible. Instead, what was I doing? Sitting on the computer, reading conspiracy theories about how Motorola is making a chip. What a waste of time. I want, I have better expectations of you. I expect a different kind of group of people to listen to me. We've all been there. We've all traveled through those paths. (laughs) But it is time we become mature. We become mature. Make sure that your eschatology, that your view of the end times is Christ central. Amen. Finally, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, if you, if you are born again, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know when you're walking with God and you know when you're not walking with God. You know when you're connected and when you're not. You know what is the distance that you have with the Lord. You know if you're sinning and you know if you're not sinning. You know if you your soul is, <laughs> while you're sitting through this broadcast, if your soul is condemning you, If your conscience is condemning you, or you're excited. If you are in a place where you're not happy with your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are not happy with certain areas of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to repent on this broadcast. And let's get it right. He's your father. He loves you. So he's waiting for you to repent and waiting for you to be reconciled. So let's use this opportunity to clean the slate and start afresh with the Lord. Shall we do that, people? Come, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for bringing us understanding. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that your coming is not a fairy tale, is not some fantasy But your coming is eminent and is real. That everyone will behold when you come. Lord Jesus, we don't want to be the foolish virgins. We want to be amongst the wise virgins, Lord. Pure, clean, holy, prepared. Lord, you know the areas where we are struggling. You know the areas where we have issues. God, we repent this hour. Cleanse us with your precious blood. Make us clean, Father. Purge our conscience. That we may enter boldly to the throne of grace. And call you Abba, Father. Thank you, God. I pray that you will help your children. God, help us. To get this generation ready. We love you, Father. We love you so much. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Prepare us, O oh God. Prepare us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Please consider sharing it. And for more information, log on to harirao.com